0: today's show I have Stacy Flowers here with me. She is a TEDx speaker, she's an entrepreneur, she's an internal optimist who is really just focused on helping women create authentic and fulfilled happy lives. You know, I first saw Stacy. actually I watched her TED talk some time ago, but I first saw her in person at Rise, the conference put on by Rachel Hollis. And immediately I was blown away by her ability to connect to the audience, her ability to be real and share hard, I mean, hard truths, be vulnerable and really encourage people along the way. And so I knew that she would be a perfect guest for the podcast. So I am so excited to be sitting down with Stacy in just a few minutes. And I can't wait for you guys to hear our conversation. Stacy, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm incredibly honored to be here. Oh,
0: Thank you. I'm so honored to have you. I After I first saw you at Rise, I was like, have to get around the podcast. I'm telling you, I was on the plane. I'm not even kidding. They're like, oh, you know, <laughs> you need to turn off your internet usage. I'm like, two more words before I sent my little request to you. So um, I was just really excited to hear back from you and be able to sit down and have this time together. So yes. for those who may not know you, can you introduce yourself?
1: Yes, um, I think that one of the things I love to tell people is that my name is Stacey Flowers. That is my real name. But if I was going to describe myself as a human being rather than a human doing, I would say that I am thoughtful, I am powerful, and I am incredibly grateful. I'm kind of irrationally passionate about gratitude. Uh, I am in a season of grief, which really means that I'm in a season of transition, which is really, really means that I'm in a season of growth. And so most everything that's happening in my personal life and in my business is wrapped around um, being in that season and being a thoughtful, powerful, grateful woman.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. And I love that you, you know, it's like you're holding both sides of it, right? Like you're holding like there's some really hard things that are going on and still I can own my value. I can own my power and I can be able to work through that. That is just such oh, yeah. a fantastic perspective. I love that yeah. so much. So can we talk yeah. a little bit about Rise, the experience and, and your um, talk and, and all of that? I just, I <laughs> so, really, it was it was so powerful and I, um, I told the ladies there's a group from the rise conference for anyone who hasn't heard of it. or hasn't heard me say anything about it. It's ran by Rachel Hollis. She's absolutely fantastic. I definitely yes. recommend when you say, if the people aren't following her to go follow her and be able to learn from her. Um, and she, she puts on this fantastic conference where you focus on your past, your present and your future. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it, there's a group though that afterwards everyone joins, and so we all keep in communication. But I have to tell you, Stacy, like all of the comments afterwards, were like Stacy Flowers is so fantastic. I've reached yeah. out to her. I loved what she said about this, and you know it was just really great to be able to see people. Even still now, they're like, you know, I've had my steak versus my chicken moment. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, I love to be able to see the impact that it has had truly on everyone mm-hmm. that was there.
1: Yeah. And that, that's, that's the heart of it. That's the intent. Like I love words. I've always loved words and I've always been a talker. And so when I finally realized that, like I could use words from the stage to truly impact other people's lives, I was like, holy smokes, this is amazing like, absolutely, I'm going to do this. So it's a really amazing thing, like, as someone on the stage, when I'm on stage, and I'm delivering the words, and I can see the light bulbs kind of go off above people's head. But even when it's weeks, months later, and people are like, oh, my God, I was in the store, and somebody tried to give me chicken, and I sent it, I'm like, (laughs) yes, yes, Yes. slam dunk, like I did it, you know, so it's it's a really amazing thing to be able to do that. So I'm super excited to hear that people are still excited about, Um, talking about the speech and everything that they learned.
0: Yeah, yeah. And even that very night, I did have a chicken versus steak moment. I think I mentioned this to you. And it was actually about chicken, but I just wanted – I'm pregnant, so I just want some chicken wings, right? I'm like, I just want some hot chicken wings. And so I went there, Mm -hmm. and she was like, well, I'm – you know, ma'am, I'm really sorry, but on, like, my little order form that I send back to the kitchen – I can't figure out where to put that, you know, there's all these other types. Would you like another type? And I I'm, I'll be honest, typically I would have been like, <laughs> yeah, what kind do you have? <laughs> but I was like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I would just really love some hot wings. Is there any way that we can make that happen? And she figured out. And yeah. I thought, I feel like Stacy would have been proud in that moment.
1: <laughs> I would, I would be so proud. And so for those of you guys who are listening, you're like chicken. Steak yeah. Oh, yes. About- so what we're referring to, um, you should attend rise yes. and then you'll hear the whole thing, but what we're referring to, there's a part in the speech where I talk about expectations and how everyone, um, right now is giving expectations a really bad rap, and they don't understand the power of setting an expectation and what expectations are really designed to do and what expectations excuse me, expectations are designed to do is to set the standard for the life that you want to live. It's about giving you something to strive for. And so what I share in the talk is that expectations are for you, not other people. And your responsibility is to set an expectation and then step into an environment that's going to serve you. And so then I give the example of ordering steak and receiving chicken and then settling for the chicken and how we do that in our lives. But it's much more dynamic from the stage. Yes. But that's kind of like what we're talking about It's just Ordering what it is that you want from life, deciding what you want from life, and then waiting for that to show up. And when anything else shows up, that's not that. Just politely sending it back and waiting for it. So that's yeah. sort of what, that's a little bit of context to the chicken. Yeah, industry. yeah. Thank you for sharing. I so proud for you saying, no, that's not what I want. This is really what I want. And then you see, like, she was able to honor it, right? Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Yeah, thank you for explaining that for people. <laughs> Any <laughs> listeners that weren't there would be like, what are they talking about? This is a chicken right, steak?
1: like, I'm a vegetarian. I don't <laughs> right. know <if> this is... <laughs> right, this is for
0: you too. You know, you can pick whatever it is, the black beans or the, I don't know, green peppers, you know, whatever it is that, right. you know, you want. But I love just the perspective, truly, of letting your expectations be known. And then I love yeah. the concept of sending back into life whatever it is it just
1: does not serve you does not meet what you're going for in that moment exactly and how you send it back matters right like and I talk about that from the stage because sometimes people send things back but we send it back with such low regard and we send it back with so much bad like feelings and thoughts around it and sort of the way that things work in life is like how you do one thing is how you do everything and so if you can't properly send back a meal you'll likely not be able to properly send back maybe a relationship that's not good for you Maybe you won't be able to properly send back an apartment or a job that's not right for you. Like There's so many things, there's so many options in life and they're gonna show up and be like, hey, I'm the best thing in the world for you. And you have to be able to say, you know what, turns out, you're not, I'm going to go ahead and send you back and not with all the damage and baggage and wounded and, and pain, just politely send it back and then wait for what it is that you want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome philosophy. Yeah, it really is. And it obviously has stuck with me and it's stuck with so many women that have heard it. And so it's, it's great that people are truly embracing that throughout life. You know, Mm -hmm. it makes me think about um, a situation probably, I don't know, maybe six months ago, someone had asked me to do um, a talk and I love to speak. And I always say like, I'll speak about almost anything almost anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they wanted me to speak about something that I was just like, you know, that's just not really my jam. And I don't think that I would do, I would not fulfill what you are wanting. And I really know there's somebody better out there for it. But I have to tell you to say no to that, then immediately afterwards, I was like, oh, should I have just done it? I'm like, no, that wasn't for me. You know, that, that no from me maybe gave somebody who really was going to rock it out that opportunity to do that. And Mm -hmm. also it opens up my plate to like, what else is going to be coming throughout Mm -hmm. life? And had I said, yes, maybe that would have kept me busy and I would have missed out on something else. And so
1: exactly like what I like to tell people about that is like, you have to let your no be a complete sentence and your yes, be a celebration. Like and so many of us never get to the celebrations of life, be they big or small, because we keep saying yes to stuff that. We, that's just not a right fit. It doesn't mean it's bad. Like, I I think a lot of people think that a no should only follow something that's bad. It's like, no, a no should follow anything that's not in alignment with who you are, what you want, and where you're going right now. Right now is a a part that's important too because we change, we transition. So, a no today might be a yes six months from now, but you want to get to the point where you're clear enough to be able to say, you know what? I'm not the best person for this. There's somebody else who's gonna kill it on stage and serve this audience so much better. And this no is just a complete sentence. It doesn't have any extra anything on it. Wish this opportunity as much success as you would have thought it would have been if I would have been doing it. But this yes. is a no for me. And then that to- that frees up so much space for every yes to have a celebration. It frees up time for you to do your podcast. It frees up time for you to niche down on your audience. It frees up time for you to actually pour energy into the things that are in alignment with you. And it's it's a an amazing way to be able to do business. And I and I commend you for doing that because a lot of people would have just said yes because it was a good opportunity mm-hmm. rather than saying yes because it's in alignment with. Who you are right now. So
0: yeah, it's great. No, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I think I'm um, hearing from Jen Hatmaker to I had followed her before she was at Rise, and but I do love her concept really of a, if it's not like a hell yes, it's a no. And so I have tried to implement that throughout my life as well. And, and it's along the same lines of, it seems like of your philosophy as well of like being able to be excited and happy about the things that we're allowing in our lives. And, and truly not allowing ourselves to say yes to something and then becoming resentful, because I think that does
1: happen right. a lot. And here's the reason why it's important. So happiness is like my thing. Like, if you guys want to know what my, my jam is, yeah. it's happiness. And what I want people to understand is that, like, you're not going to be happy all the time because some stuff that that causes us to be able to experience happiness actually is hard, like yes. hard work, right? So life is already set up in a way where not everything's going to be awesome all the time. Why would you add more not awesome to your life by saying yes to things that you don't really want to do. I don't think people understand that the weight behind a yes, like say you want to start a podcast and you're like, yes, I want to start a podcast. And there's this full celebration in your heart and your mind. Right. But the weight behind doing the work of fully executing a podcast is going to come with days where you don't want to do this work. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that's going to carry you is the fact that this is a real yes for you. That's what's going to carry you to the place of you feeling the happiness about doing it and getting another guest and putting it up and publishing and getting your first hundred thousand downloads. And I just don't think people get that. Like even inside of a yes, when you're doing the work, it's going to be some hard days and the days are harder if you're doing work on something that's really a no for you. Yes.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm over here like resisting. Like, the urge. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. It's like you have a snapshot to the background of the podcast too, because I love what I do, but you're right. Not every day. It is all fun and sunshine and roses. It's just not. Sometimes there are really hard moments. Sometimes there are moments where it feels different things in life, not just the podcast, but overwhelming. But when you do know that you are doing what it is that you're supposed to do or where you're supposed to be, it, it does have a much different feeling and you're much more willing to get through those days and be like, you know what? Today is kind of a hard day. Tomorrow is going to be different. We always have another opportunity
1: tomorrow. Exactly.
0: You know, I would love, since happiness is your jam, to be able to hop into your TED Talk video. And if you okay. can talk through that, you know, the five people um, that you need in your life to make you happy and where that concept came from, and then maybe talk us through a little bit of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So happiness became something that I became super passionate about, like maybe a year or two after I got pregnant, I had got pregnant in high school and, um, in me having a child, like my big one desire was for him to be happy. I was just like, how do I do this? And um, I had enough awareness about the turbulence of my childhood to know that I didn't necessarily want to repeat that. So I was like, okay, I don't have experience that tells me how to be happy and how to do this thing. So I'm going to read and I'm going to research. And so I just dove into all this research about happiness. And when my son was about like seven or eight is when I had like, was like testing the theories on him of like what happiness really was. And so I would ask him questions and and just different things like that. And in my research, what I found is that like relationships, um, health, money, like these are the different factors that actually impacted your happiness. But the factor that impacted your happiness the most were your relationships. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think people know this. Like I don't think people understand that like relationships have the deepest impact on your happiness. And so then when I was digging into the literature, I was like. Not only is it that relationships have a deep impact on your happiness, but in the personal growth space, Jim Rome talks about how you're the average of the five people that you choose to associate with the most. So I remember when I was like sort of in the thick of the research, finding that out and then gleaning from Jim and I was just like, well, I don't think anybody has put these ideas together to serve people in a way where they know what types of people to put around them. Because if you ask the average person, they would say that they're they're content with their relationships or they're good with their relationships or they, are, they, they like the people that they have around them. But then when you pose the question of, okay, but are you happy? And if you're not happy, did you know that switching out these roles would actually impact that. So that's sort of where the concept came from was blending and synthesizing what I had been studying for about a decade. And then um, as I was developing out the TED Talk, I was thinking about my own life and who were the most powerful people. And the first two people that came up were the mentor and the cheerleader. And that was gonna be the whole TED Talk is that you need a mentor and cheerleader. But with the idea that you're the average of the five people, I was like, there are other roles that matter. What are those roles? And so I just... I I remember sitting down with a friend and being like, okay, I know you need this and I know you need this. And my son was like in football at the time. I was like, and you need a coach. And so I'm developing all of these things. And what I eventually realized is that the five people that impact your levels of happiness the most are your cheerleader and this is the person who believes in you. They root for you when you can't believe in yourself, your mentor. They guide you along this path, your coach. This is the person intentionally pushing you out of your comfort zone, your friend. This is the person who knows your truest heart's desire. You can cry on their shoulder. You can laugh with them. And then your peer, which is the person who understands the, your industry experience, your, your career path, your professional um, work that you're doing. And that what I found is when I was looking at examples in the world of the happiest most fulfilled people they always had these five clear people around them and I think when you hear interviews the people that people talk about the most are the mentor and the coach you rarely hear people talk about the cheerleader the friend and the peer but when you dive into their stories a little bit more those are the roles that pop up too and I was just like oh my gosh everybody needs to know this I'm going to tell everyone this and then I got the opportunity to just TED talk and I was like well this is my idea worth spreading I need to tell people about these people they need to have in their lives so that's
0: sort of where it came from yeah that's fantastic you know I love the concept of having those five people but I do want to pause for a moment though as Mm -hmm. as a therapist and as a mom the thing that Mm -hmm. I heard was that you did like you wanted something so bad for your son that you did so much research to make sure Sure. that you could make it happen like I have to be honest I'm pregnant I'm a little emotional right now but I could almost (laughs) cry because that is just such a beautiful thing that you were like you know what I'm going to figure this out. I may not have that yeah. foundation of knowing that already, but I'm going to make it. And so, to yep. know that you did that is is so amazing. And then it transformed into something that you can share with so many people. Yes, yeah. and yeah, it really so did. Many
1: lives. Yeah. Like one of my first mentors was a mom mentor. Like a lot of people don't think about that. Like I love my mom. She's the most amazing human being on the planet. Um, but I come from an estrogen rich family. So I have three sisters, seven nieces, you know, aunts, like we just are very female dominated. And I was having a boy and I was like, Oh my gosh, we don't know how to raise boys. I don't know what's going to happen. Like he, like, I don't even know how to deal with this. And so I was so scared about raising a boy. And so one of my first mentors was I intentionally chose a woman who was a mother of a boy because I was like, so when he turned, like, how was he going to, like, is he going to, like, I was, you know, and also I was very young too. So I needed the example of like, is there something you do different? Is it the same? Like how, how do we shift these things around? And when I tell people about the mentor, like, I think sometimes we think we only need a mentor in the professional space. It's like, no, a mentor serves you anywhere. You need guidance, anywhere you need to know what direction to go in that is the role of a mentor. And so my first mom mentor, she was amazing. She taught me all the things. And I was just like, this is going to be awesome. And I think I have a great kid. He'll be turning 18 this year. So I'm in full-blown emptiness syndrome as well. Um, And he's doing awesome. And I think a lot of that has to do with me intentionally putting people around me to guide me in regards to raising him and and living my life
0: yeah absolutely and the fact that you were open to having a mentor and you were wanting you know especially at such a young age to be honest that you were like give me all the information like what can what can you teach me like how can I how can I develop and and change as a mom in whatever Mm -hmm. ways and that's really great
1: Yeah. You know, when I think about it now, now that I've taken the Enneagram and I know that I'm an eight, I think that the way that so the eight um, archetype is that we're the challenger. I don't know if your community is familiar with Enneagram, but I love it. But our archetype is the challenger. And so I think what happened inside of me getting pregnant and inside of me sort of facing all of these things, there was a very clear path that was set out. Like statistics said, this is who you're going to be. And inherently, at my core, my core is to buck up against anyone trying to tell me what I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. And so, because that was so clear that they were like, "Oh, you're a teen mom. This is going to be your, this is going to be your outcome, and this is going to be your son's outcome," I had a very clear target that I didn't want to hit, and a very clear enemy, for lack of a better expression. And I think that challenger part of me was like, "Well, if this is what you think I'm going to become, I'm going to be the opposite of that, just to show you that you don't control my life." And I mean, I remember when people were telling me statistics, I was actually pregnant and somebody had told me a statistic about my child. I was like, he's not even here yet. How have you already decided how his life is going to be? But, you know, the way the statistics are, they can take factors and say, well, this is the outcome that's going to be there. And I was just like, absolutely never. That is not going to be my life. And understanding my Enneagram type now, I think it got activated then. And that is what propelled me to be willing to do the work, even at a young age to figure out how to put my life on a different path. It was, it was a hundred percent what propelled me to do that. Yeah. yeah.
0: I love that. I am someone too, that I'm like, you put me in a box. I'm like, "Mm -mm. nope, I'm not going in that box. Like I'm kicking my way
1: out. And so uh, if if you want me to not do something, try to control me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> try, try. like the the best way that they've I've heard the Enneagram um a type described is they're like don't give me directions give me the address yeah. like I'll get there but don't give me like don't don't tell me how I have to do it because it's gonna be I'm gonna I am going to i I I don't like this is the only way it happens like are you sure because yeah. I'm gonna go try it this way so I love that.
0: I love that. You know, I have taken an Enneagram. It was just one of like the quick little quizzes. And so I got mm-hmm. that I was a two, I believe is a two, which yeah. is the helper. Yes. But I, I thought to myself, like, I want to actually like go to somebody who like can help you navigate some of that. Because I wonder being a therapist, I'm trained to do that. And I think that I'm a helper, like somewhat naturally, but I'm also like, does that skew my results? I kind of wondered about that. Cause that sounds a little bit like what you're describing is a little bit more how I am. Like my husband Mm -hmm. always says, I'm a terrible employee. Thank God I work for myself, but I'm a terrible Mm -hmm. employee. Like you tell me that I have to do this, this and this. I'm, I'm a hard worker. I will work so hard for you. But if you tell me I have to do something that I don't agree with, it's really hard for me to be like, yep, I'm moving forward. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it's interesting because the two and the eight, they speak to each other. So like in the Enneagram, they talk about like a health spectrum. So when an eight is at their best, they show up in the world like a two.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they have like the qualities of wanting to be a helper. So when an eight is at their worst, they're like domineering and controlling and, you know, authoritative, like they're like, you won't control me because I'll control everything. But when an eight is at their best, they're like, oh, let me help you. Let me give you more information about that. Let me share, let me listen, let me be vulnerable. So that might be what it is, is that you might actually be an eight, but you're like the two part of you because of your profession and how you were trained is just more dominant as you were maybe taking it.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. I can't wait to dive in. I'm excited now. I'm like, I need to do more research (laughs) about that. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I think it's
1: an incredible tool. It's so great.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask when you found that out, you know, when you started, like when you were like, yep, I'm an eight. So how did that change your perspective, you know, just in general about how you function Um, and.
1: Significantly, because what, what happened is, is so like the eight archetype is the challenger and it's usually associated with men and it's an archetype that is very, very powerful. So. Imagine being a kid or a teenager or a young adult and having a lot of power and not really understanding what that is. So power that is misunderstood is like total chaos and destruction. So like teen years, early young adult years, total chaos and destruction, because I did have a lot of just inherent power, like even when people hear me now, like I'm, I'm growing my team and one of the disclaimers I give to my team is I'm like, hey guys, I'm an eight. So when I speak, it sounds like fact. It sounds like I'm done talking, but I'm just processing. So I'm, I, I'm giving you permission to, to be like, oh, Stacey, no, that's not how we're going to do it because people confuse sometimes just the level of power that I have in my voice for rightness and it's like no I'm not right just let me know yeah. so not understanding that as a young adult and a teen and just understanding because I wouldn't understand why people would just listen to me all the time and I'd be like I could be wrong right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's up, right so it would get me into a lot of situations where I was automatically the leader or I was automatically listened to and because of that I then had all this pressure to be responsible and be the role model and, you know, show up in a certain way if I didn't want to get my, you know, if I didn't want to, you know, become too like domineering or too whatever. And so it was this constant, like trying to not be as big as I felt on the inside because I didn't want the responsibility because I would be responsible for everything just because I was powerful versus being responsible for what is actually in alignment with who I am. So when I figured out that I was an eight and that was sort of our internal struggle conflict sort of a thing, I was like, oh, so maybe I should stop pretending that I'm not powerful and just let myself be powerful and tell people what I want to use my power for versus just allowing it to be a free for all because this is this powerful woman who seems rare. We're going to throw all the things at her. So it helped me to be able to manage and regulate what i signed up for and even even the idea that like i'm a natural challenger like i had to learn how that every time somebody said something it's not an opportunity for you to challenge you're gonna wear yourself out Mm -hmm. so my teens i wore myself out because i'm constantly challenging everything and rebelling against everything just because it's in my core to be like hey don't put people in a box like i had to find you know pick my battles and now knowing that now as an adult the way that it's impacted my business, I know what to sign up for, I know what not to sign up for, the way that it's impacted my relationships, I know what relationships to enter into, like even, and this was something I was talking to my son's dad about, it's like, um, I have like, right? So there's this idea of all this power and there's this idea of, you know, give me the address, not directions, but you can't live your whole life like that because then you're gonna take the long route for everything. So I had to learn, there's some people that are allowed to give me directions, right? but not everybody can give me directions. Some people can and for everybody else, you guys can give me the address and I'll get there however I get there kind of a thing. But just even something as simple as that with the team members that I have on, a lot of them are allowed to give me direction and say, "No, we're going to do it this way, A B C, not the way that you want to do it." But other people like like just that that subtle shift of who can do what and who can say what so that I don't feel like I'm being controlled and I don't feel like I'm being put in a box and I don't feel the need to challenge has transformed my business dramatically, um, and my personal life as well. So it's 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 been, a, and I love assessments in general, but it's been hands down one of my most favorite assessments that I've ever taken. Yeah, because it's just to the core of who you are. Calling all social workers, marriage
0: and family therapists, psychologists, and counselors, are you looking for a supervisor so you can reach your next licensure level? How about looking for a clinical consultant to work through cases, help you guide your business, or help you work through some of the tough stuff in private practice? So often we find ourselves searching for clinical supervision and coming to a dead end. Or finding ourselves with someone who can provide supervision hours but isn't a great match for our niche and our style. Well, look no further. You can now go to consultationandsupervision.com and scroll through a directory of therapists providing both of these services. Here you will find a picture, a short bio, and contact information. So you can find not just anyone, but the right one. It's totally free and will save you from spending time and money on a supervisor or consultation that just isn't the right match. So head over to consultationandsupervision.com and start searching today. Yeah, it sounds extremely powerful. Really powerful. You know, I'm interested too, as you're trying to differentiate like who can give you Mm -hmm. feedback and direction and who can't like how would if if someone's sitting there right now they're like yep that sounds exactly like me I want to be able to allow other people to give me some direction but I don't really know maybe who it is that I do need to allow to do that and who it is that I should be like "Mm, I'm just gonna let that fly one in one ear and out of the other like how would you start to figure that out?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I think it for me, it boils down to trust. I had to build up some trust with myself. So I trust my gut, my instinct over everything, like period, yes. point blank. But then beyond that, it is about me trusting the person's judgment. So if I don't trust that person's judgment, they can't give me direction. So, for example, like, um to, let's tie this to something that's recent. So Rachel Hollis, right? Rachel Hollis and I are now peers. She is a part of my new high five, right? Yeah. She's a peer. I trust Rachel's judgment in situations as it relates to being in the personal growth and development space. So if Rachel Hollis is like, you know, Stacey, you should write a book about this. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna write a book about that because I trust Rachel Hollis's judgment on book writing, why she's been successfully written to New York Times bestsellers. She's really authentic in her brand and how she shows up. She's I've seen her on stage. Like I trust her judgment and how she would be in pressure situations. But let's just say there was somebody else who was also a New York Times bestseller, but under pressure situations, they use bad coping mechanisms like drinking or drugs or, you know, being abusive to friends and family. That is not somebody who can give me directions because even though they might know how to get me to a New York Times bestseller, I don't trust their judgment in situations where there's pressure. So you can give me an address and say, oh, you know, this is how to get to a New York, but you can't give me the specific details of how to get there. Does that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, and what I kept thinking too is really what it sounds like it boils down to is people who are, you know, a little bit ahead of us can always Mm -hmm. help us to get where we're going, but being able to see that, there may be people ahead of us, but that also may not be the healthiest for us to to, right. to listen to and to follow and to gain um, wisdom and feedback from. And so I think that's yeah. great that you have some some really clear ways. It sounds like of figuring out like, yes, it makes sense that uh, because this person is even maybe along some of the same value lines as I am and yeah. has been able to you know be a little bit ahead of me, you know, they know where yeah. I'm going and they can help me through that.
1: I think that's even a better way to say there's value alignment, right? We share enough values or I respect their values enough to say, okay, I'm going to follow their direction. So for example, here's somebody's values who's an awesome person, but we don't have value alignment. Gary V. We don't have value alignment because Gary V is like hustle, wake up, do whatever, sleep when you die. Like yes. that is out of alignment with my values. I don't have the physical and emotional constitution to live my life like that. So even though Gary V has written multiple books, New York Times, I can't follow his philosophy or his direction because it, it like it would destroyed me. Now, Rachel is a hustler too. So there's things that, you know, but Gary V's level of hustle, while I respect his work ethic, while I respect what he's built and done, this is an example of somebody, if I was sitting across from Gary V and Gary V was like, here's the exact instructions to get from here to there, where is where you want to go. I would not listen to any of it because his value system is not in alignment with mine. Wow. And this is, and that's, I'm giving that example because I don't want people to think you have to hate the person or the person has to have bad things. It's just, there's not value alignment like he could be right but if i did it that way i would die <laughs> you know? yes like, yeah. like i can't like you know i can't do that so yeah yeah
0: yeah i think that's great that you point that out that it's not it's not necessarily like a you just love whatever the person's doing or don't or whatever that is but But really, I think what it boils down to is your ability to know yourself too and to know your desires and to say, you know what, that's great that that's how you operate, but that's not for me. And I need to find something that works for me. So I think that's impressive that you have that ability
1: as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's the reason why I love the industry and how many people are in the industry. Like that is the reason for the diversity and so many people saying the same things in different ways so that people can find alignment so that they can find their core five people. It's like, That's the reason why we need you if your voice is some voice that's going to be at the top of this for you to keep doing your work as well. Because there's somebody who's like, man, Stacey's a little too happy-go-lucky for me. I need... Kelly, like, or I need, you know, Amy, I need somebody with a little bit of a different temper, a different temperament. And that nuance serves more and more people. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I love that. It's such a good point too, because truly, you know, a lot of times we get tied down. Like I could have said, you know what, there's like, I mean, millions at this point of podcast, what, you know, no one wants to listen. I mean, I could have said that from the beginning, but knowing that, like you said, even if somebody is saying something along the same lines, being able to like really own your own message i think that attracts people that um it resonates with as well so like you say like maybe someone's like you know what stacy is my jam and that's fantastic but if they're not you know then there's there's other
1: people as well that they can utilize yeah
0: and really what's good for one of us is good for us all so anything that helps you know
1: yeah i will tell you i read in elizabeth gilbert's book big magic this this paragraph freed me from like all of my issues around imposter syndrome, copying, thinking that the market is saturated. She talked about the difference between originality and authenticity, and she talked about how it is highly unlikely now that you will find anything original because so much has been done and so much information is available. But what you will get when you show up and do it is authenticity. So to your point about the podcast, doing a podcast and interviewing people, that's not original, but it's authentic the way that you have decided to make it conversational and to make it in however long the pot. Like that is so that is the point. It's like if we can move away from trying to be original with everything, we can find our authenticity and that will resonate with so many people. It will blow your entire mind. Yeah, it will just. It will blow your entire mind how many people that when i read that it freed me from ever trying to have another original thought i was like it's not about original thoughts it's about authentic thoughts and authentic expression are you being authentic then boom you're doing yes. it right
0: yeah 100% yeah. 100% yeah i love that book by the way too i read yeah, that a while back and and it really um one thing that for me really stuck out was like You know, she talked in, I won't get it exactly right, but she had written the book, you know, and then someone else had written the exact same book and they were talking about, they're like, this is so wild. And for me, what that really taught me is like, if I have like a gut instinct that I'm supposed to do something, like just do it. You know, what yep. is like the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't go anywhere. You know, I started a, a project after I had my son. It was so fun. I interviewed other mothers. I really struggled postpartum. And so I interviewed other mothers and I thought maybe I would like collaborate, you know, collaborate with people and put it all together. I mean, I don't know what I was going to do with it exactly. Um, but, but after I did that, I just realized that was really just healing. Like I needed healing and that's the purpose oh, it served, good. you know. And, so good. and if that's all, if that's what it was, was to help me heal. I'm thrilled and I'm appreciative, you know,
1: that is remarkable. I do think that a lot of people think that every project that they get inspired to do is to serve the world. And this is something new that I've been talking about is that some of your, not some, your gifts are supposed to serve you too. So I love how you said that project was for you to heal. So you could be available to this project. Yes. And sometimes we don't get to the projects that are designed to serve the world because we haven't served ourselves properly yet. Yes. Like that is what that project was for you. Like, that's the reason why sometimes you have to write the book that nobody reads. That's the reason why you have to do all the interviews and put up all the Instagrams and do all the things that nobody sees because there was healing in that for you. So that that way, when you're doing your work, your work, you won't be doing it wounded. Yes. Like you'll be doing it from a place of inspiration you'll be doing it from a place of integrity and wholeness like right the di- yes. that like that's the difference between doing wounded work and whole work like yeah. you're in you're whole and healthy right now because you gave yourself a full project like could you like think about how much you poured into yourself yes. in that project that is a that is an amazing way to frame that experience that that project was for you to heal mm-hmm. so that you that is powerful. I'm going to go back in my journal and figure out which one, some of these things, because yes. it's, just, that's a great way to frame it. Yeah, That's what it is. Yeah. Well, that's so, when I, sorry, totally. when, when I think about when I, so I'm documenting my financial journey over on YouTube and I'm doing that publicly, but when people ask me about it, I'm like, listen, it just happens to inspire you guys. I want you to know <laughs> I am not doing this for you, like, I mean, a little bit more now it's moving into uh, uh, incorporated in my business, but when I initially opened up that camera and was like, listen, I fell back into debt, I'm starting all over, I was doing that for me, and I try to express it to people in a way that doesn't sound like, oh, because now where I'm at now, people don't kind of understand how like, no, 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 when I did this, there was only 2,000 people and it was just for me. It's like documenting my finances publicly with detailed numbers For over a year and a half was so healing for me that now the work that I'm doing, where I'm bringing in what I'm bringing in from a speaking engagement, or I'm bringing in what I'm bringing in from a product, I can handle it because I gave myself all of those months of just doing this work for me. It just so happened to be that it also served other people. But if I'm being honest, it healed me. Yes, It really did. It gave me my voice back. Now I know what that was about. That's amazing. Wow.
0: Yeah, no, that is, that is, that is, it is, it's just, you know, sometimes I, I mean, if so, I always like to say on the podcast, if someone doesn't believe in God, you can believe in energy, you can believe in good karma, you can believe in, I don't know, sunshine, whatever it is. But I always think moments like this where we can connect that because I'm getting like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like wounded work versus, versus oh like, this is so fantastic. And so to be able to have that alignment of that matching up and to make sense mm-hmm. for both of us is just um, so helpful truly for as we move yeah. on in life.
1: I love it. That's awesome. That you just bless my entire soul with with, what you just said there about how that like, because you can you imagine so many people would have been like, oh, it's not going anywhere. I'm not posting it. And they wouldn't have completed it well enough to get to the full healing. Yeah, but yeah. you had to do that to yeah. be whole enough to do this. That's amazing. Absolutely.
0: You know, and if I'm just because I'm, I'm always very honest, if I'm being 100% honest, like right after it was done, because people, I mean, they, you know, they spent time with me. We sat down just like you and I are. We looked each other yeah. in the eye. I mean, we cried sometimes about their birth stories, you know, and uh-huh. I shared mine. I mean, this was really vulnerable work. And I, at first I was like, oh, no, but they they gave that time. But then I'm, even now I'm um, emotional as I think about it, but, but a lot of the people that were giving that time, they told me that they were signing up for that for two reasons because they believed in whatever it is that I was trying to do and they wanted healing themselves. And so, you know, it continued to provide that and that, so that's what helped me reframe it because otherwise I probably would have been like, oh, I feel so bad. I didn't do anything with this, you know? But when I was able to think about that, like how, like, yes, it may have been however many hours, but how much healing did
1: that promote really? right and the work of like influencing and expanding your message and so much it's with one person like so the one person that you did on each and every single one of those interviews that got their one individual healings like that's gonna have a ripple effect sometimes we think well if it didn't get a hundred thousand downloads did it even matter it's like yes, yes because that one person you got healing and they got healing and that was the whole that was the point of the project that is Fascinating! I love that. No, thank you. I, appreciate I love that. that.
0: You know, we're having um, a ladies' event. This is the first one I've ever done, um, so it's called mm-hmm. Evening of Encouragement. I'm really excited about it. Um, there's a group of ladies helping me plan it, and um, we, you know, we have a, a limit to it, and, and we were just hopeful to get to the amount. And so at at this point, we haven't quite hit that yet. And I'll be honest. I was like, what, you know, those thoughts that you have when you first do something like what if no one comes, what if no one wants to hear this, you know, but then I had that same thought of like, but what if one person comes to this and gets something out of the women who are sharing their stories? Or what if a woman that shares her story is going to be able to just feel better about being vulnerable and sharing that? And like, is it worth it? Then yeah, it really is. And when you can think about it in that way, it's like, you know, it, it matters. And I am a firm believer that the things that we do in the things that other people do for us impact us and we impact them in ways that we will never know ever you know yep
1: yeah yeah hmm Oh, that's so good. It's really so amazing,
0: good. quite, you know, honestly, how we're all connected, truly. It just, it, that's probably what keeps me going in life, to be honest. I mean, even as a therapist, you know, I hear, obviously, I'm sure you can imagine some really hard stories. Mm-hmm. I've had some hard things through my own life, but to be able to know that like the smallest things can impact and change the world. I'm like, that. that is well, definitely, that's my jam. I'm like, tell me about the things that impacted your life that no one, no one would ever know, yeah. you know? So
1: yeah. it's pretty cool. That, that's why I'm so grateful in my profession to be able to work with words, because I feel like words are such a there's such a, like a, there's an abundance of them. Right. And they're like this thing that sometimes goes overlooked, but like my ability to be able to use words to transform someone's life blows my mind every single day, whether I'm doing it on a podcast, on a YouTube video, on an Instagram caption or from the stage. Like I tell people, like I get to work with words. Do you understand how incredible that is that I get to, I can change your life with a phrase. Yes. That is amazing. Like, I, like if I say something the right way, it'll change your perspective and that will change how you think. Like, and that will change what you do. Like, I don't even know how to explain to people how grateful I am that I get to work with words to be able to have that kind of an impact and ripple effect. One phrase said at the right time sets people on a completely different course. I know that to be true because it's happened to me, but also in me doing this work, people have said how it's impacted them. So it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. when we, When you see how connected we are in a single word, can change everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And obviously yeah. the listeners aren't going to be able to see you, but they can definitely hear it in your voice. I'm sure. But I can see it just as you're saying that of like this passion that you have behind that and, and a love yeah. really, I mean, you can just see it shining through you, like how much you love yeah. the work that you do. And that's so cool to be in that position where you can do yeah. what you love.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's amazing. I'm, I'm just like every day, like when I wake up, I'm like, this is my life. Yep. Okay. Like I kind of like look around and like check in and I'm like, yes. You figured out how to bring, get your life to the point where you're living the life that you're choosing. This is amazing. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think that is uh, so fantastic, and I even think to myself, to you know, um, having opened up my own business, you know, people sometimes ask like, "Oh, would you, would you do it again?" And I say, "Absolutely," because I I don't think until you're on the other side of things. And now, keep in mind, in my mind, we keep going, right? So we're never a hundred percent over things, but we get on the other mm-hmm. side of one of one journey, and then we start another one. And so I I always think to myself, like, I don't know that I could have imagined that life would be as good as it is now when I was back there. And so I keep thinking Mm -hmm. like, but how good is life going to be up there? You know, and that's what I think keeps me motivated to keep doing work that that really fuels my soul, essentially.
1: Yep. It's the same here. Like, I think that where my business is now, I couldn't have imagined it would be here this quickly, especially like just rebuilding from the loss that I had experienced in 2017 with nervous exhaustion and depression and anxiety. I wouldn't have imagined that in three years. And I, it's not even really three years, it's two years because it's like, I got nervous exhaustion in January. So from January to October, like didn't work. Well, November, January to November didn't work, like barely could get out of bed, like depressed, anxious. So like 2017, that was a, not a loss year, but a year of not working. So I've really only been working (laughs) since like 2018. And we are now in 20, you know, like, it's like in a couple of years, like my mind is blown. What can happen if you get back up and you take one small step and you take another small step and another small step and another small step, like this afternoon, I am recording a podcast that's going to go out to hundreds of thousands of women. But two years ago, like I couldn't, get out of bed to go to this time, two years ago, I couldn't get out of bed to go to the bathroom because I was like petrified or I was just so anxious like that, like my body was weak because I wasn't eating properly. And to just think that like, first of all, our bodies have the ability to be able to heal, but also that like when you make time your ally and when you make a decision to just get up and keep going, you really do end up somewhere else. And so even at the top of the, the the recording where I talked about how like, you know, I'm grieving and I'm transitioning, but I'm realizing that that's all about growth. It's like, I know two years from now, I'm gonna look back on this moment and be like, holy, fazoles, is that where you were like two years ago? Like it's, it's, it's a fascinating sort of a thing to just be like, if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you will blow your mind and you will actually see that everything that you ever dreamed of is 150 million percent possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I would say even more than you could ever even dream of, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just most of this
1: is I, I didn't have the capacity to yeah, dream of it. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah.
0: But to be able to see that progress and and really that, I mean, from, from what you're saying, it sounds like you were in a, a really hard spot. And so it may not have really been a choice of yours to have that time, but to know that, that you even allowed yourself that time. But yes, that was Mm -hmm. what, so that would have been like, what would that have been? Like 10 months of your life maybe? Yep. Okay. 10 months of your life, but how much more life do you have to live? So you had 10 months where, you know, things were, were, it sounds like really hard, really, really hard, but you've been able to work through that. And so now you have all of this life to live.
1: Yes. yeah, And I think when, I, when I'm trying to encourage people, I talk about rest and when I'm trying to encourage people to rest. So my rest philosophy, first of all, rest is a complete spiritual practice for me. And the way that I rest is every seven days, I take a day off. Every seven weeks, I take a week off. Every seven months, I take a month off. And then the goal is every seven years, I'm going to take a year off. So that will be my 40th year when I'm actually going to implement the year off. But what I learned in those 10 months and also inside of those 10 months, I had an incredible cheerleader. This man was like the most incredible human being on the planet and took care of every single thing in my entire life, which allowed me to be able to fully like not work and just like heal and do that. And I'm so grateful for him. And I'm sharing that because I don't want listeners to think that like, you know, I just did it magically on my own. No, there was a whole nother human being who is managing for the stuff that normal adults need to manage for. But You are a thousand percent right that like in me finally surrendering, because it was very much a surrendering. I fought it. I fought it. and Finally, I was like, I have to surrender in me finally surrendering to resting because nervous exhaustion, like everything shuts down. Like your body is like, no, I'm not doing anything else for you. Like you kind of don't have a choice, but I was still fighting it. When I finally surrendered and I let myself be overwhelmed by the depression, I let myself be overwhelmed by the anxiety and I crawl out of bed and I'm in my therapist's office like three times a week and I'm changing my diet. Like When I finally surrendered and allowed myself that time to rest, in the back of my mind for a while was this idea, I'm going to be behind, I'm going to miss something, I'm going to... And then it came to a point where I was just like, if you're not here, what difference does it make? If you're not here, what difference does it make? And then I surrendered into an even deeper level and then I finally just let it all go. And what's been amazing is that because I gave myself those 10 months, I am living in these last two years what most people would have taken maybe five to a decade, you know, to produce because I gave my body and my mind and my heart and my soul time to rest. I'm the rapid level of production, the rapid level of creation, the rapid level of manifestation. It is blowing my mind every day that so much is happening so swiftly, but I think it's because in that season of just ick, I surrendered enough to rest and I fully rested in a way that allowed me to come back so that I would show up for these moments fully present. And when you're present to the moment, The ripple effect is so different than when you're only 50% in the moment when you're 100% in a moment You can take on all the other stuff that comes out of it. It's fascinating So yeah, I highly encourage anybody who's listening like if you're in a dark season First of all that season will pass And I know that that's hard to hear right now, but you will it will pass but surrender to the season enough to allow yourself to rest within the realm of the parameters that you have financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally. And then if you can get up and get help from a professional, Yes. get help from a professional, my therapist, like best investment in all the land, get up and get help from a professional because I needed professional help to get out of that season. Right. I needed professional help and I needed all of that time of rest to get out of that season. Yeah,
0: I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that someone is going to be listening and hear that. And that's really going to, you know, sometimes we just feel like we need permission almost. Not that people do, but that's going to give somebody the permission to know that, one, they're not alone in this. You know, that that, that there are people that are there with them. But also that you're so real about the, limit. excuse me, the limitations as well. Like, you're not saying just, like, don't do anything. Like, you know, you're saying, like, whatever you can in your life with what you have That is going to heal you is recommended and to be able to get outside help because I, I, as a therapist, I have a therapist like that, like we need, we need therapists too. Like nobody has everything figured out and to be able Mm -hmm. to give yourself that time and to be able to find people to help you through it, I think is absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, before I could afford a therapist, all I could afford to do was change my diet and that was significant. That helped tremendously because when you're eating bad food when you're depressed, it affects your brain. And if that if the depression and anxiety and PTSD is coming from your brain, it's not you need you need that. So, when I couldn't afford a therapist, I I I intentionally shifted my diet and then at once my diet was a little bit more under control, like that's when I started to work a little bit more on my thoughts and I incorporated my gratitude practice. And I remember, you know, before I, like there was a time when my body was in just such physical pain that I, I just couldn't get out of the bed. And so I would be laying in the bed and I would be aware that like I have kidneys and I have lungs and they're working. And I would just in my mind say, I'm so happy and grateful for my lungs because i'm aware that there are people who are don't have lungs like they're waiting to get lungs and so i i needed to reframe even though mentally and physically i couldn't move and do what i was able to do i was able to be aware that like wait you still have lungs you still have kidneys you still have feet you still have hands like be grateful for that and begin to shift your thoughts as much as you possibly can so that that way you can be open to figuring out how then maybe you can find the money to get a therapist or how or who you can possibly um, like if you can go in and talk to negotiate something like that because my thoughts were so clogged with the anxiety and the depression that I couldn't really think through anything but the gratitude interrupted a lot of that like horrible negative I mean my thoughts are very severe like if you think my words are like awesome imagine like my thoughts when I'm in a dark place, yeah, they're not yeah, awesome. Yeah. So they were very severe, and the only thing to interrupt that severity and that spiral was like gratitude. And when I got a little gratitude in there, there was enough of a gap for me to have ideas of like, oh, well, what if you do this and maybe that? You can go once a week, and then you can do this, and you can go twice a week, and and then slowly but surely it built up.
0: I love that. And I'm glad that you talked us through that. I really appreciate that. Because I think sometimes too, we see people on the other side of things and we think like, oh, that must've been so easy. But to know, like, obviously not, but to know though, like there was this step and then it was like this step and then this step. Yeah. And these were very intentional steps that you took yeah. of trying to help yourself get through that, which, which obviously made practice. But for, for people to know that for, for none of us, I mean, nothing is just like boom, boom, you know, it, it's hard not work. Not There's a lot behind the scenes. I think that's really important to keep in mind.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's hard to show those behind the scenes because nobody's posting that type of stuff. And even if they were, because of the way the depression and anxiety are showing up, it wouldn't look good. It would be like, it would almost be like you're just posting your wounds, which I don't recommend (laughs) that people do that. So it's hard to show people the behind the scenes of healing. And that's why as often as I can, I talk about it. Like after we get off the podcast, I'm going to therapy. I always show my little feet walking into my therapist's office because I want people to know that like, yeah, I'm happy and I'm doing great in business. And my like, all this wonderful stuff is happening, but I still go to therapy to maintain this and to manage for the awesomeness that's coming and to check in with how dark things were just a couple of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah.
0: You know, as we're um, wrapping up here, I have a couple more questions for you, if that's okay. okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I you know, I think, I feel like this is along the same line. So I know you talk about intentionally working part-time and I love mm-hmm. that. I actually do that as well um, with my job. Yes. And so when I read that, I was like, this <laughs> is perfect. So I would love to know, like, yeah. how did you come to that? Like, how did you come to the yeah. decision? Um, you know, was yeah. it was after all of this occurred that you're like, yep, this is what I
1: need. So at first it was a necessity. Like I just literally, like I had the anxiety that would come throughout the day was kind of like I could find sort of the pattern of my anxiety and I was just like, oh, I don't have the mental capacity to make it through a whole day interacting with other human beings because the anxiety was too severe. And then also I wasn't aware enough of my PTSD triggers um, to be able to work a full-time job and know for sure that I could go in every day because if something triggered me, I might be out. So initially it was just out of necessity. I was like, I don't have the capacity to promise that I'm going to be here full time. So when I got the job at the cafe, I worked part time and I noticed that in me working part time, I had so much other time to work on the mental and emotional stuff. And I was like, oh, This is kind of interesting because the more I work on this, the less work I have to do over here. Kind of like it was just, it was sort of like balancing out. And so then when I transitioned from my um, part time job at the cafe, I was like, well, you're moving back into entrepreneurship. This comes with its own set of emotional things. Why don't you just stay part time for six months so that you can make sure you're mentally and emotionally ready to go full time? And during that six months, I had such rapid healing that I was like, oh no, the reason you are growing and you're doing well is because part-time works for you. This is it. like your, the way you are built, you are phenomenal working part-time. And in, through through therapy and a, a couple of things, I realized like as a kid, I was quite gifted, but like there was some other stuff that happened where that, that kind of got suppressed. And so I didn't realize that even for me, like like When you're when you smart or when you're gifted or talented or whatever, sometimes you doing something in an hour is the equivalent of somebody else working eight hours, right? But I'm not giving myself credit for what would take someone eight hours because it happened in an hour. So I didn't realize that my part-time hours, productivity-wise, is probably someone else's full-time hours because of how my mind is working or the, the speed at which I'm being able to execute things. So the reason why I'm wearing out when I'm working full-time is because that is like working double overtime for me in terms of hours. Does that make sense? Yes. So when I connected those dots, like I healed the trauma around being a gifted kid and then I connected the dots to my output and then I connected the dots to, oh, I want to, I think that I have to do in order to be, acknowledged. like when I connected all those dots, I was like, oh You have to the reason your soul sings when you work part time is because you're honoring the gifted part of you. It sings because you're actually allowing your system that is working really fast to rest in a way so it can actually fire up for tomorrow, because if your productivity level is 10 times the regular person. You need to rest for that. Like you, you just need to. And so getting to a place where I was kind of comfortable with that part of myself, because that was very hard. I was like, no, I'm I'm not gifted. Like I want to be just like everybody else. It's like, no, but you do process differently. You have to honor that. You have to respect that. And so then I was like, okay, it's about respecting my mental and emotional health and healing full time. And then I found a coach and she was just like, Oh, I built a multi-million dollar company part-time. And I was like, What? People keep saying you have to work full time and hustle harder in order to make a million dollars. She gave me an example of what was possible and I was like, "Oh, if, oh yeah. if one person can do it, I can do it. If she can build a multi-million dollar company working part-time, this is a thing because I used to think the definition of entrepreneurship was working full time and hustling. No, the definition of entrepreneurship is managing the risk and being able to have the freedom to make the choice of how you want to move out into the marketplace. Hustle is optional. Yes. It's optional. Yes. When I found out it was optional, I was like, "Oh, not only is it in alignment with me healing mentally and emotionally full time, but now I know it's possible for me to also hit my revenue goals. There's no, this makes sense for me. And I've noticed that like my output is just so much better. Like I'm, I'm, I'm naturally a creative person and you have to give yourself, like I have to give myself downtime from that gifted creativity processing thing. And I think that that's a little bit in all of us, but we just have suppressed it and we don't acknowledge it. Like, but if you have this gift and a talent, like wrap some time off around that and blow your own mind with what comes out. Yeah, So yeah. I love that.
0: I love that. And I love that you point out yeah. that... Um, your was it your coach you said that was able to talk mm-hmm. you through that okay yep your coach I yeah. love that that you point that out as well because I um do you know who Jenna kucher is have you heard of her yeah. so okay yeah. so she is absolutely fantastic I'd love to follow her and one thing that just blew my mind um, when she started posting about being in Hawaii for a month I was like wait a minute you can like go to Hawaii live for an entire month you can continue to like make money do good things in the world but you can live in Hawaii for a month, like sign me up. And so once I knew that I'm like, Oh, that's possible. Then that motivates me to like, okay, well, if that's possible, what else is possible? And you know, what am I able to do? And so to be able to see that I think is powerful.
1: Uh, So powerful, so powerful. So inspiring. Possibility is something that really, really moves me. If I can, if it's possible on one, if I, all I need is one and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. That is an alignment. Let me, let me pull that in. And I think also, I guess, with you mentioning that too, like I've been a mom my whole adult life, and so I've been managing the and, I've, you know, I've always been a mom, and this, and that, and this, and. That, including me getting sick, took a lot of time away from my son. And so also working part time enables me to have so much more presence with him um, in his life and in his seasons as he's transitioning and things like that. And that's something that's always been important to me. Um, I used to say that I wanted to be a stay at home mom, but I just, you know, I I had my first child in in a space where that wasn't an option. But I think with me running my company the way that I'm running it now, it enables me to be the type of mom that I've always wanted to be as well even though he's in a different season where he's like i'm not gonna talk to you right now mom because i'm gonna go hang out with my friends sure, <laughs> um, sure. it's still yeah. like i'm able to do the presence that i want to have
0: yeah with this type of a schedule I love that. I love that. Yeah. You know, um, when I, when you were telling your story about having your son um, at Rise, I was just really thinking about my sister-in-law who had um, our niece, Paige. Um, it's my husband's sister, um, Paige. And she, she was 17 when she had Paige. But anyway, at this oh. point in life, though, both of their girls, right? So they're now, let's see, Paige is like... 20 and Sam is 18. So but at this point in their life their children are I mean you know we still need our parents right at 18 we still need them but but they've been able to raise them and they're fantastic girls and now they get like this whole life with them to spend and to enjoy and to just like just embrace that they are still young enough to do whatever yeah. it is that they want to do. And they have this time with their kids. So I told her, I'm yeah. like, I-, I know that wasn't necessarily your plan. It's not like you are you know, signing up for that, but how cool did that that worked out like that? You
1: know, It re- it really like, I am not an advocate in any yeah. way, shape or form, but it is fascinating to me to be as young as I am with my child, as old as he is and how that is shaping the life experiences that we get to have. Like, I'm like, Wait, this is, you know, like, because yes. technically with him turning 18, like, I'm supposed to be this much older person who doesn't have the energy to do anything. It's like, no, come on. What do yeah. you do? Let's go. Yeah. Like, so it's a very, it's like, it's, it, it's almost like uh, what I was telling my friends. I was like, I feel like I'm living a second life because all of my friends are now having their first or their second child. So most of my friends' kids are like under five. And like, my son is about to be 18. And so yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is a fascinating place to be in where, yeah. I'm getting this like second life and my son is stepping into his adult life and parenting him at this level. It's just, yeah, that's why I say it's a huge season of growth and transition for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think any time mm-hmm. when, um, things change with our kids you know my son's just getting ready to go into kindergarten and this next year or I guess it'd be like another year and a half but anyway at this point and it's like anytime something like that changes it does shift your relationship and so I feel like it's like figuring out this new norm of like how do we interact and how do I parent through this and you know but knowing that you have um, a good foundation which you truly do and and that desire to be a good mom I mean you can hear that and you can see that and so I know that you're doing great and he's a fantastic kid so that's awesome. It's really yeah. good to see. So the very last question I always ask, because it's called Kelly and the Encouragers, are who are some of your biggest encouragers in life?
1: Um, Would you, do you want me to do like Shiro encouragers, like people from a distance or like personal encouragers? It can
0: be a little bit of both. So it's really what, like whoever first pops into your mind, knowing of course that there have been people along our journey that have encouraged mm-hmm. us and we can't name like every single person. So if you, yeah. if you forget somebody, we'll give you some grace there, you know, with that, yeah. but.
1: Yeah. um, I will say, so from a distance, That the first person that pops in my mind is Beyonce. I know that that may sound weird, but Beyonce is very, very encouraging to me. And the reason why she's encouraging is because she is a powerhouse woman who has managed to live her God-given purpose to positively influence the world while also making a family, which is very, very rare. And the level of like impact that I want to have. Um, it A lot of times people say you can't do that, right? You can't marry your soulmate. You can't have kids. You can't have a full life. You get one or the other. And Beyonce has done a phenomenal job of doing both. So she is very, very encouraging to me with the way that she carries that. Um, in terms of like a real person, my mom is like probably the encourager of the century, <laughs> the love of my life. Like she's amazing. Like she's the most loving, accepting, unconditional human being that I've ever like, Encountered on the planet, like she's spectacular. Um, my cheerleader that I was telling you about, who helped me in my dark season, um, he's the founder and director of Men A Purpose Journey to Self Discovery. He is an amazing encourager. Um, definitely would not be here if it was not for him and his generosity and his kindness. Um, um, my friend, who is like just my friend H.E., she's been incredible in this expansion that I've been having. Um, So she is an amazing encourager. Um, Trying to think of another like distant encourager. Ah, it's so hard. Uh, Who else? My aunt, my family, my family in general, they are all like my sisters, my aunts, like they are all really, really big encouragers. And I think something shifted in our family when I got sick this time and how everything shook out. So it's been really fascinating to see how they are encouraging me and how we are encouraging one another. Um, so, and Lisa, Brina, Quita, Stephanie, like all you guys, you guys, all of you guys, if you're listening to this, um, are also really big encouragers. Um, and then, I mean, Rachel Hollis has come on board as a really incredible peer and she is being overwhelmingly super fantastically encouraging. So she's probably to date become one of my biggest encouragers as well. I love that. So,
0: yeah. I love that. And I love yes. that, like each of your encouragers have played such a different role in your life as well, but it, it, but they all are so important. So to be able to see like through different seasons and through different situations, how people have truly shown, the people that you have needed have shown up for you.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that is a really beautiful thing too. I like the idea that, and I'm trying to lean into it more that when you need someone or when you need something, it will show up. Like it will. And trusting that experience I love that. to be able to do that so yeah
0: that's fantastic well thank you so much Stacy, for sitting down with me today um, we will definitely link for everyone where to find you um, on social media but can you say real quick
1: yes I am Stacy Flowers all over the internet everywhere and that's S-T-A-C-E-Y and then flowers spelled like a bouquet of roses
0: I love that I love it thank you so much for sitting down with me it was great to meet you and to be able to talk through these things
1: you are welcome thank you
0: Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to wwwkellysissoncom backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. See you next week for another episode.